welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 29th of April 2018, entitled Launch Out Into the Deep, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. Here's Brother Roger Tooley. Luke chapter 5, it's good to be back here at Bethel. Uh, I can remember as Brother Curtis was talking about here the here uh, just a minute ago, uh, Bethel certainly looks different uh, the first time I came here. Uh, uh, as he said, I was here on a Sunday and uh, visiting the church, praying about if God was going to have us come to England, and I believe that was 27 years ago. And uh, that makes you feel old, uh, uh, 27 years ago. And, of course, uh, he was lying. Uh, I, I had a winter coat on. I had winter gloves on. That was kind of difficult trying to preach and move my notes and uh, everything. Uh, uh, but you learn to, to be multitask when you come to England with the cold weather. And, uh, and, uh, and I can remember I was preaching. I could see my breath uh, as I preached and uh, how cold it was. And I said, uh, and uh, of course, I know there's a lot of places a lot colder uh, than England can get. Uh, but when you're living in, in North Georgia, you, you know it's, uh, it's a huge shock uh, uh, to your system that you're no longer in Georgia anymore. Uh, I can remember the first time I went to Georgia and uh, I was raised uh, in a little area in northern Ohio little town called Clyde, Ohio. And when I was getting ready to go to Bible college, I was uh, viewing the Bible college and I stayed at this motel. And in Ohio, it's very cold. And I moved, I was staying in the motel and it got a little cool that night. And I couldn't figure how to turn the heat on in the room. And, and so I went down to the front desk and how do you turn the heating on here? Uh, and he said, there is no heating in the rooms. Uh, it don't hardly ever get cold enough in Georgia to have heat. I said, oh, I said, but we have a space heater to give you. Uh, and I thought that was very different in a motel room with a little a ceramic space heater to take to your room uh, to warm up your room because it hardly ever got cold enough. Uh, uh, but it certainly was cold here in Birmingham uh, uh, when I came before. Uh, but the Lord has been good to us. And uh, as uh, next, it's hard to believe next month, we'll be celebrating 22 years serving here in in the United Kingdom, and it's hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, uh, I can remember one time we came to Bethel, uh, we was ringing in the year 2000, a uh, uh, new millennium, and uh, Rebecca was one, yeah, she's like four or five months old, uh, so I don't think Brother Larry is going to carry around the service tonight, uh, and she gets a little noisy tonight, and, uh, uh, and he used to carry around the service. I, she's going to be 19 uh, uh, in August. I don't think he'll be carrying around tonight, uh, 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 and uh, many times that we've been here at Caleb, I think one time he was just a little, very real little lad, and now he's taller uh, than Pastor uh, Curtis is now, uh, uh, but, uh, but we just praise the Lord for God uh, being good to us, as as preacher said, we're in Corby, and pray for us as we're uh, 
trying to do the work of the Lord there in Corby. We praise the Lord for uh, what the Lord has done in these past few years and this trusting God to continue to build the work there for God's glory. But here in Luke chapter 5, and we'll look here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 5, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gesneret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when they had thus done, they, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, uh, which were in the other ship, that they could come and help him. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful O Lord, for he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which had taken them. And so it was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and which were partners of Simon and Jesus, uh, said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Heart any Father, we come to you, God, tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, we just pray that you bless as we look into God's Word tonight. In your name, amen. Uh, we want to learn tonight uh, how a single uh, obedience to the command can change every life today if we learn to obey the command of God's holy word. And Peter was a common fisherman, had worked for a living, and he's about to meet his creator. And life will never be the same after you meet Jesus Christ. Uh, and and the Jesus' ministry centered around the Galilean ministry, uh, around the Galilean region and the Sea of Galilee is a large freshwater lake that's over 700 feet below sea level. And it services as the main, it serves as the main source of water for that Galilean region. And, and we understand that we open, when we open the Word of God, that the Bible is not a philosophy, uh, uh, it, but history and man's revelation and God, man's revelation to man and our response to the word of God will make all the difference. Uh, and he's teaching us some lessons how to live our lives and Peter have this choice and we also have this choice this evening that will it just be another message or will the spirit of God speak to my heart 
this evening. Uh, will we say that I'll do what you want me to do? And too many people today, I'm afraid, are saying, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. And, and where are the people today that will say, I want to obey what the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart this evening. We notice in verses 1 through 3, the ministry of Jesus. His ministry had begun to expand, and, and people were beginning to understand, and people were wanting to hear the Word of God. And it was a wonderful thing that people wanted to hear the Word of God. And Jesus was teaching, he was preaching the Word of God around this Galilean region. And Jesus was calling them to a life of discipleship. And it is one thing to accept Christ as your Savior, but it's another thing to follow him wholeheartedly with all your life. Uh, we think of Peter and James and John. They were going to receive this call to discipleship. Uh, and, and we notice uh, why were there these fishermen? Oh, they were courageous. Uh, they were daring. Uh, many of them had patience uh, and determination. They had faith. Uh, they had teamwork. Uh, it reminds me of a story of two fishermen that went out fishing. They began to talk about their fishing stories like fishermen do when they go out fishing. Uh, and one fisherman began to tell how he brought a fish in and how what a battle it was to bring that fish in to the boat. Uh, and, and he thought, I'll never, I, I, I thought I'd never bring him in. I thought the line was going to break. And he said, it was a 300-pound salmon that I caught that day. Uh, and the other guy, he didn't know what to say, but he knew that he didn't want the other fishermen that do him. And he meant that he said, well, I never caught a 300 pounds salmon before, and, 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 but he did say one time I was fishing, and I was reeling it in, and there was a lantern. On that lantern, there was a tag, and it proved it was from 1912, this lantern. It was waterproof, and the light was still lit, and the other fisherman said, Okay, I'll take 200 pounds off my fish story if you take the light out of your lantern tonight. Uh, uh, so you might get around some folk uh, that were fishermen, and they'll tell some uh, fishing stories. Uh, and I grew up in the lake, uh, uh, in the, the regions of Lake Erie in northern Ohio, so I've heard a lot of fishing stories through the years. Uh, uh, but to, tonight, we want to tell you how we want to get around some folks that were fishermen and, and tell some of their fishing stories, but we're going to tell you how to do a great work of God. Uh, we notice in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 as we talk about doing a great work for God. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 1, uh, we see here, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at their appearing uh, in his kingdom, preach the word, uh, be instant in season, out of season, reprove 
reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their, their ears from the truth, and shall be turned on to fables. Uh, and we see a communication here. Uh, and he, he preached the word of God. And the focal point of his ministry is the preaching of the word of God. And the Bible tells us there'll come a day when people will not want to hear preaching of the word of God. Uh, and, and Paul had told Timothy, I want to preach uh, uh, it anymore uh, and, and declare the truth. The ministry of Christ was declared the preaching of the Word of God. And people don't come to church for, we don't come to church for the building, but people are coming because what the Bible says, and the Bible is a thing that will change your life. They were coming to hear Jesus teach the Word of God. And thank God for that. And thank God for the ministries we have in our churches. We have ministries to teach the children. And we can teach them the Word of God. And thank God for that. We have the, the teaching ministry of the men and, and teaching ministry of ladies' meetings and, and discipleship. And all these things are wonderful. And thank God the time that we have the worship as we come to sing the hymns of Zion. I I just had someone recently told me uh, that uh, they were visiting our church, and, and they said, the, I said I, we love the preaching at LifeGate, but the problem at LifeGate is you don't worship. I said, Man, we don't worship? Uh, no, uh, you don't worship. And, and, and I said, you know, I love emotions. But, you know, just because... We're not doing cartwheels down the center of the aisle doesn't mean we're not worshiping God. Uh, as, but the thing is, when we come to church, thank God for the music uh, and thank God for the testimonies, but that is not the focal point of a Bible-believing church. We've come to hear the words of Jesus Christ. And I love the singing, and I love the hymns, and I love the testimony, but it's the preaching of the Word of God that's going to change your life. It's what changed my life when I was seven years old, came to church, heard the Word of God preached, got up saved a few years later, and it was through the preaching of the Word of God that saved my soul, that changed my life, and that's what changed your life today. And we notice here was here they were coming to hear the words of Jesus. And we notice that he, uh, in verse 3 of Luke chapter uh, 5, we notice that he is the creator of the world. He left his father in heaven. He left the gates of pearl and the streets of gold and he entered into Peter's ship and the word became flesh among us. And Peter was fishing and he was cleaning out his nets and the nets would rot if they didn't clean them. But Jesus, during that time, they were washing their nets. He entered into the ship, the Bible says, and they saw the Lord Jesus coming into the environment. Uh, uh, no real ministry will happen to are ready to serve other people. And I'm glad when Jesus left heaven uh, uh, from uh, perfect, from 
glory to walk on this sin-sick world so that I could be saved and you could be saved that Jesus came to this world and he came to preach and he came to give his life. He came to shed his blood so that we could be saved. But I think of John chapter 2 and verse 24. John chapter 2 and verse 24, but Jesus did not commend himself unto them because he knew of all men and needed not that he should testify of man for he knew what was in man. You know, I, I see a man in our text is going to tell him about fishing and how his method wasn't going to work. And Peter knew Peter better uh, uh, than Peter himself. And before you start arguing with God, God knows you. And he knows that your limits, and he wants to go beyond what you're able to do. And Jesus knows that you're better than you know yourself. And so the creator of the world steps into a a smelly fisherman boat. And this is the ministry of Christ. And I want you to see that Jesus came to a fishing boat. And since that Jesus came, to, came, we need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We notice in verse 4, the mandate of Jesus. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. He told them to leave. Jesus was challenging them to leave their comfort zones. He was trying to challenge them to leave their place of safety, to launch out into the deep. And I'm afraid that many churches and many pastors, we, we have safety within our ministry. And God wants us to launch out by faith. We want to stay on the dock, but we don't want to launch out by faith in the sea. And Peter knew what he needed to do as a fisherman. He didn't need a carpenter telling him how to go fishing. And, and he, it was no, it was known thing that in Galilee, you would fish during the night. You don't go into deep waters during the daytime. But what Jesus was telling Peter to do would be total opposite what he ever was trained as a fisherman. Jesus said, no, don't go out fishing at night, but I want you to go fishing during the day and the Christian life, whatever the reason of witnessing or giving or living for God, many times when Jesus tells us to do something will be completely opposite the human reasoning. Why is that? Because he wants us to trust in him. He wants us to put our complete faith in him for the glory of God. It's the life of faith. And without faith, we cannot please God. We, we want a work of God, but not, what, but not what we can do, but what God can do. But with, uh, and we're not going to figure out what we can do and what makes human sense. It didn't make human sense to go into the Sea of Galilee. It didn't make human sense to go in the Sea of Galilee during the day. And I see a pattern time and time in the Bible. God doesn't work to something that seems humanly 
impossible. God loves to get involved when it seems it is an impossible thing that could ever be done. And he became a part where he received his glory. And you can be a part of a church where you receive the glory of God or be a part where the church where God will get the glory. And I encourage you as, as we look in to this word tonight, as we go on to live our life of faith, that we will launch out into the deep, that we would do what God would have us to do, that we, that I encourage you, that Bethel Free Baptist Church would launch out and do more for God than we ever done before, to reach souls more than we ever done before. And you say, preacher, we've doing everything we can. But God says, launch out into the deep and deeper and deeper into the sea to do what man says is impossible to do. And I can remember very well, I was very comfortable when I was in Leicester. If we was in Leicester still today, uh, our house would be paid for. It wasn't financially makes sense to move into the Corby area, but God had different plans. And I can remember talking to a neighbor, and, and I was telling him, where are you moving to? He said, well, we're moving to Corby. And the first thing he said, why? Uh, uh, people don't move to Corby. Matter of fact, Corby people try to move out of Corby, not move into Corby. Uh, and, of course, in those days, that was very true. Of course, now we're seeing a very large flux of Europeans and, and people moving from London now into Corby. Uh, it's a total different way. But, but God had a plan that I never thought what God would do when God led us to go to Corby. He had us to launch out to the deep. And I want to challenge you to launch at the word of God tonight. Peter was wise to remember there's power in the word of God. There's authority in the word of God. And we notice back here in Luke chapter 4 and verses 38 through 41 that we notice that Jesus stood over a sick woman and rebuked the fever and she arose. And Peter saw that was the power of the word of God. And we never seen uh, here uh, the power uh, unlike the word of God. The most foolish thing that can, we can do is set it in the harbor and set it in our boat. But Jesus Christ is calling us to go out to the deep in faith. And God has been good to us, uh, to the Word of God. And we approach the Word of God. We find marching orders. How do we launch out into the deep? When the Word of God speaks, then we must go to reach out in the deep to reach souls like we've never done before. But preacher, we gave out our John and Roman. We've given out our leaflets. We invited people to come to church. I can remember stories in the Bible where they fished all night, but they caught nothing. But then Jesus said, go out again. And they caught a multitude of fish when they launched out in to the deep. We notice here in our text in verse 4, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for 
a drought. He said, launch them to the deep. And, and we're beginning to think and we're beginning to look in these coming years that I believe our days are numbered. And we need to do all that we can to bring souls for Christ before it's eternally too deep. Uh, oh, many people are, are, they don't mind. I guess that's not the one that's been opened here. Uh, 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 they, they, uh, uh, they don't mind sometimes. You know, there's people that I don't swim, and I don't mind going to the ocean and hanging my legs over the harbor and touching my toes in the water. And I might not even mind going up to my knee a little bit, but I'm not going to watch way out in that deep water because I can't swim, uh, and I'm a little afraid. And we have a lot of our Christians are like, like that spiritually. We don't mind dipping our toes in the water what we can, what we can do. And maybe we don't mind getting our ankles into the water spiritually. And maybe you don't mind getting your knees in there. But when it gets up in that thigh, when you're starting to do things that God tells you to do, and God tells you to witness to someone, or God tells you to give it a try, they say, oh, no, no, I can't do that. that that's not me. I, I'm shy. I'm bashful. But you know, I found something when I came to England that uh, when I was living in Leicester, we'd take the bus quite often into the city. And, and, um, and many times I noticed people were talking. And they were talking. And it seems like I found out the greatest conversation starter was either talk about the weather or talk about football. Uh, now, of course, I didn't talk too much about football being an American because I didn't understand uh, British football as much as I did American football. But now American football is starting to get popular in Britain now. So I'm kind of confused now about that. Uh, 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 but, I, but if you ever want to talk about football, it is amazing when people start talking about their football team, and they talk about this, and they'll talk about that, and they get all excited about their football. Oh, yes, I support Liverpool. No, I, I support Aston Villa. No, I support Manchester. I support this team. And they'll start going all about how friendly, how excited they get about their football. But but we but we can't tell someone about the Lord. We can't give someone a gospel leaflet, but you're willing to talk about a football team that's never changed your life. He's never saved you and going to heaven, but now we've been saved. We've been washed by the blood of Christ. We should want to go out there and give someone a gospel track and invite them to our church and launch out into the deep. But preacher, I've never done that before. Maybe God wants you to launch into the deep. But we notice also believe Jesus wants us to go out there and let down her nets and, and let the, that you're going to catch more than you ever did. And as we as we're going in uh, uh, into as we're going in and venturing and we're talking about launching out in the deep, God wants to do more than He's ever done before. And Satan is going to attack Christians uh, through discouragement. He's going to he'll attack you with fear. And I've seen people in our churches go through this. It might be health. It might be economy. It might be the work and we stop living by faith and we start living in our human reason but we sit at the bay 
and we never draw close to God anymore. But I want to challenge you to leave your comfort zone and God will take care of these things when you launch out into the deep and you'll take care of God's business and God will take care care of you. And I've seen that happen all through the time. When you put God first in your life, God will take care of you. And God will do the unbelievable things that you never thought would happen. A few years ago, I was challenged about doing a gospel tent meeting. I was preaching in a meeting in Scotland, and, uh, and I was challenged about doing more for God. As we're talking tonight about launching out into the deep. And he said, we'd love to bring a gospel tent to Corby and have a week of evangelistic services. Now, I said, this may work in Scotland, but we're talking about Corby. Uh, 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 the tent would be, would be ripped to shreds by pocket knives and, and knives that no one's supposed to have in Corby. Uh, and he said, he said, no, I'm willing to bring it. And I started praying, and I said, well, we'll see. And I went to the council. I thought, well, that, that'll be over with. I'll, I'll have to get planning permission from the council to put it up the tent, and that'll never get passed here in this town. And, of course, they were bucking it, and they were refusing it. And the guy said, the only way I'm going to give you planning permission is if you'll knock on every door around where you want to put the tent up and get everyone's permission, then I'll let you put it up. Well, Brother Curtis... I knew that was never going to happen. There was nobody, you're going to get uh, 50 homes to agree that I'm going to put up a gospel tent, and we're going to have preaching every night, we're going to have singing every night, and we're going to tell people how to get saved. But you know what? God had different plans. Because why? We were launching out in the deep that we've never done before. And I had one lady that said, we don't need anything like that. Said, you got your church building over there. Why do you want to put a tent in the park across the street from the church? And I said, ma'am, this is just what we're doing, what God has told us to do. And we're just going around doing a survey. And she said, no, I don't want it. And I thought, great. She's the only person in the whole neighborhood that complained. And so I went back to the council and the parks and recreation, and I talked to the man. I said, well, I've talked to everybody. I've written down all the house numbers. I've written down all the responses, and I had one negative person. And they said, let me ask you, what is that house number? Oh, yes, we know her quite well. Uh, she's against everything. Uh, and I thought, uh-oh, here we go. Uh, and they said, that's all right. He said, you want, if she's the only one that complained, then I don't see no reason why we can't have a tent meeting. Uh, and so we had that tent meeting. And that first year, we saw 50 people come under the tent that were visitors for that year. And then the following, and every year it seems like we have around 50 visitors come under the tent hearing the word of God. And, and boy, we even got on Facebook one day. Uh, we used to have a thing on Facebook in Corby called Spotted in Corby. They would take pictures of your double parked or if you, you, was, you was doing something you wasn't supposed to do, people put a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Well, our tent got on, on, on you've been spotted in Corby. And in front of that tent, there's big 
big red letters that says, Jesus saves. And, and, and then we started having people visit the church because of this tent meeting that we had. And, and God began to do a work. What happened? We launched out into the deep to do what God said to do, to reach souls for Jesus Christ. And God wants us to launch out and do more than we ever done before. And, you know, I'm, I know today we're living a country that is changing. And I'm not ministering in the same kind of world where I arrived into England over 20 years ago. I serve the same God that I did 22 years ago. I serve the same God that men of God from England did years ago when they turned this world upside down for God. And he's able to do great and mighty things in 2018. What God did through Charles Spurgeon, what God did through John Wesley, what God did through George Whitfield, what God did from men of God that stood and preached the word of God. God can still do that today. God can still change the heart. God can still save souls and change their lives for the glory of God. We hear the mandate of Christ, the launch out in to the deep. And I want you to, to pray about launching out and doing something for God that maybe you've never done for before. And I've, I've, through the years, we've launched out by faith and we've done things. And guess what happened? Nothing happened. But you know what? We attempt to do something for God. You know, you can, you can make all the excuses why you can't do this and why you can't do that, but nothing's going to accomplish when you're doing nothing. But when you try to do something for God, I remember we did a Bible correspondence course, had a great idea that we're going to do a Bible correspondence course. This worked for a friend of mine in London years ago. I thought, man, this is going to work in Corby. Uh, and we're going to give out a little slip, and it says if you're interested in studying the Bible, we'll send you a Bible lesson. We'll give you a free Bible. And I'm a man, everyone's going to be excited. But you know what, Brother Curtis, how many slips I got back in the mail? I got zero. I mean, I got zero. I mean, I went to Cleveland, Tennessee, and I walked into the Rock of Ages prison ministry, and they have a correspondence course. And I knew that if we're going to try to reach lost people, we're not going to be able to have a, a very detailed correspondence course where we're trying to reach people that's not saved. And so this course was reached to people in the prisons of America that many of them had, didn't know God. And I thought, man, that'll work great over in England. But the only problem was everyone said, they'll never give you that material. They'll never give you that material because you're not part of the Rock of Ages prison ministry. But you know what? I walked out in my hands with that material. Uh, I thank the Lord for my pastor that had a little helping with that because you can't say no uh, to Sammy Allen when, uh, when he tells you to do something. And, 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 but you know, I sent out a few lessons. We saw a few souls and we, we tried to reach out. But you know what? I don't believe that was in vain because we launched out into the deep. We tried, and we tried, but God still brings the increase. And many times when you don't think God is doing anything, that's when God is doing something. Uh, one man said, our faith must be tested, and God builds no ships but what he sends 
to the sea. We notice the mission of the disciples here. They had faith in Jesus Christ. And we notice in Luke 5 and verse 5 is an interesting verse that Peter uses interesting word here as a master. It's the first time here in the New Testament. It is only located in the book of Luke. And he said he's the ruler and the guide, and the master. Until he's your master, you'll follow him like you should. And there's things in our life that we're told of God. I'll do this, but I won't do this. I'll I'll do this on Sunday morning, but I won't do, I won't come to church on Sunday night. Oh, I'll help the support missionaries, but I'm not going to try to witness and tell my neighbor about Christ, and they'll never say, I will, unless you, you say to the master, and Peter does what some of us do. He begins to make excuses. And if we're not careful, we'll get into the mindset, Lord, you saved me 22 years ago, but you don't understand. I'm a lot older now. I don't have the energy. I don't have the job. I don't, you know, society has changed. A pastor is telling us to launch out, but I want to sit at the bay. I want to sit there at the bay, eat and shrink instead of launching out into the deep. And we need to stop saying, I've told all night, but nevertheless, I, I will. And Peter was an example for us how he had faith in Jesus Christ. And they launched out in the deep. And God gave a great multitude of fishes. Why? Because he obeyed God. It only takes a few people that's willing to obey God to see what God could do. We think of the Welsh Revival Many years ago, it just took a few teenagers getting a burden about the things of God, what God did in that great Welsh revival many years ago. It takes some people getting a burden that said, I'm willing to launch out. Learning to obey the word of God is the first test of discipleship. By will, be willing to say, when God directs you in your heart, you just say, I will. Uh, listen to God. Uh, not the internet, not the criticism, not the media, but you listen to God and do what God has called you to do. Uh, and by faith, come by hearing, by the word of God. Don't be slow to obey. You just do what God has told you to do and he will bless his word. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next year, but God will bring an increase for the glory of God. And God, can, God, if we'll learn to obey God, what God could do by the grace of God, by just being willing to submit to God's will, be willing to do what God says, to launch out into the deep, to do great and mighty things for God, what God could do. Oh, we hear the preaching, and they said, well, you know, we're living in a different day, but we need to stand out by faith and trust God. Oh, won't, someone said, most of our problems are not circumstance. Most of our problems are perpetual. Our biggest problems can be traced back to inadequate understanding who 
God is. We notice the disciples, they walked in fellowship with Jesus in verse 6 and through verse 8. When we see God at work, it's a scary thing. But when you get involved in giving and you get involved in serving God, it's much deeper than sitting on the dock of the bay when you, when you're, when you put, you're in the deep waters that God can do some great things for God. You learn that fellowship of Christ. You have to refuse that pride. Peter bows in worship. Peter was humbled, not by his night of failure, but by his astounding success. That is the mark of our character. Success humbles you. Then failure will build you up, uh, one person said. Oh, I pray that we would learn to bow down to pride and give our pride over to God and let God do the work of God. Oh, let's go out and tell someone about Christ tomorrow. Let's go out and tell someone what Jesus can do. Oh, but I'm not, I can't do that. No, we need to bow down our pride and allow God to work. Oh, we need to follow him in verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus doesn't want you to hate your wife. Jesus doesn't want you to hate your parents. But Jesus wants you to have a love that you will follow him. More than you love of your own loved ones, but you sell your life out to God. That's what happened to our family. My wife and I got married, and the year after we got married, we moved to England after our first wedding anniversary. And we, we've been serving the Lord ever since. And people say, why can't you, you know, couldn't you pastor a church in America? Couldn't you do this? Couldn't you do that? Why do you have to go so far away? But there's such a great need here in England for people to hear the gospel. And we, we must learn to follow him. And I'm afraid if you keep a track of your time and what you spend your money on, Jesus, sadly, is not the real priority in most of our lives. But I challenge you that we would do all and follow Jesus Christ. That's the mission of a disciple. But we notice the bear fruit of Jesus. Jesus had called us to bear fruit. You could catch fish all day and your fish is not very good like those are out from the deep. And it's kind of a fish that you use at bait. You've launched out farther. And that's the theme verse. Uh, 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 that should be our theme verse. That should challenge us to launch out into the deep to do what we've never done before for the glory of God. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of sinners out there. We need to throw the net out to those sinners. We need to throw that net. There's a, there's a lot of people, but you know, pastor, they don't want to hear about God. They might not, but I'm going to keep throwing out that net. And if I throw that net out enough, there's going to catch some fish eventually. And, and it might not be the fish you may exactly want, but it's the fish that God's given you, amen. And I can remember a few years ago, I, I was out knocking on doors, and I met a man, and, and the man said he was an atheist. He said he didn't believe in God. And, and uh, we got talking, and, and I said, well, what do you think about the afterlife? 
They said, well, I believe there will be an afterlife. And I said, you do? And I was about, I guess, a little naive, and I thought, you mean you're an atheist? You don't believe in God, but you believe in afterlife. I said, yes, sir. And so what do you think you're going to be in the next life? Well, he kind of fooled me because I never heard this answer before. He said, I'm going to be a fish in the next afterlife. I'm going to be reincarnated and come back as a fish. And I said, well, you know, my only problem is I would be at the fish and chip shop probably. Uh, uh, I'd get caught and be served as fish and chip uh, down at the local chippy uh, instead of uh, doing anything uh, uh, worthwhile here. And he didn't think that was very funny. But, uh, uh, but, but, but there is, but we need to follow God. And when you try to do something for God, you'll run into the most unusual people that you've ever thought would ever happen when you try to follow God. But you know what? God will bless. And, and sometimes you'll think, how can I do anything with these people? But God will begin to do a work. What God can do, what man, no man could ever do. Uh, Christ was telling Peter that it wasn't, about, it wasn't about better boats. It wasn't about better nets. It wasn't about better gear. But it said it was about catching men and women and children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, oh, you know, we got to have this tool. We have to have, uh, you got to have this type of thing in order to reach people. Or you got to have this type of leaflet to reach people. I'll tell you what God can do. He can use the simplest uh, leaflet. He can use the simplest track. He can use the simplest testimony where God can use you for the glory of God. Oh, but I don't know what to say. That's what the devil wants you to think. The best way to tell someone about Jesus is tell them how you got saved. I can remember when my dad got saved. My dad got saved. He's what some people would say he really got saved. I mean, he didn't take a discipleship course. He didn't take a course on how to lead a soul to Christ. He just went and told people what God did in his heart. Now, I believe that's the greatest way you could do it. Now, I can remember when my dad got saved. Not long after he got saved, he led his first soul to Christ. And he brought the church, and the pastor said, who is it? Oh, this is someone I met, I met this week uh, on the doors, and, and I told him about the Lord, and he got saved. And he's a pastor, he's come today, and he wants to join the church, and he wants to get baptized. I said, well, praise the Lord. Well, then a few weeks later, my dad brought another person to church. And he said, who's it? Oh, this is a fellow I've been witnessing to. He, he's gotten saved, and, and now he wants to join the church, and he wants to get baptized. Amen. And it seemed to happen like that all the time. What, it just takes someone being witness for Christ, someone that's being willing to, to, to crucify this flesh and ask God to do the work. And we might go out, and we might not see no one saved. But I, I've seen it so many times we go out. And no one comes to church as a result of that. But you know what happens? And a week or two later, a visitor walks into the church. And I'll be the first one. I'll go, man, it's great to have you at Life Gate. Man, I'm so glad. Has anyone invited you to church here before? Oh, no, no one's invited us. I, said, I mean, uh, did you get a leaflet through the door on certain street? Oh, no, I didn't get a leaflet. He said, I, I, I just went on the Internet. Him, God first, and God will do the rest. And I encourage you this evening that as a church, that you can pray about launching out into the deep to do great and wonderful things for God, what God can do for the glory of God. And thank God for that. Mm -hmm.